thank you for joining us on We Love San Diego. Our host, Ryan McFadden, is one of the most in-demand evangelists today. As an actor who shared the screen with the likes of Robin Williams, Don Johnson, and later became part of the MTV Comedy Tour, Ryan had his life mapped out in front of him. But through the power of the gospel, God radically changed his life and perspective to go on from being served to serving. Today, Ryan and his wife, Rose, run one of the premier Christian outreach organizations in the country called We Love San Diego, as they bring church to the people, bringing hope to the hopeless, and serving those that society often turns a blind eye towards. Join us today as Ryan shares a message of hope that we believe will impact your life and inspire you to live the life that God is calling you to live. Now, here's your host of We Love San Diego, Ryan McFadden. Well, thank you so much for joining us today on We Love San Diego. I'm Ryan McFadden. I pray that this message today blesses your life and that God reveals the truth to you that only he can. So I was thinking about this uh, earlier today. I have this question. Have you ever bought something from an infomercial before? Have you ever bought something you see on TV? I'm not talking like QVC or like one of those channels that's like 24 hours a day. I'm talking about like one of those late at night shows It comes on and everything that they advertise, at least for me as a teenager growing up, looks amazing. Like it looks like, oh my gosh, like I cannot live without this product. And as a teenager, I was always up late at night. Not anymore. I have two kids now. If you call me at 7.30 at night, I'm probably already in bed. My life is dramatically different than it was in my teenage years, my 20s with the kids now. But I loved infomercials. This probably sounds insane, but like I would look at infomercials almost like a TV show. There would be an infomercial on TV and I would watch the whole thing like, oh, this is great. This is going to be that dehydrator uh, commercial. I'm going to watch this whole thing. I like this, uh, this infomercial. So I remember distinctly watching one time the Ginsu knife. I don't know if you guys remember the Ginsu knife. Uh, Here's, I was a teenager. I had no control over the knife products that my family owned. But seeing the Ginsu knife and watching it cut a boot in half, I was thinking, I don't have any knives in my house that I could cut a boot in half with. I have to get this. I also need a boot because I didn't have a boot that I could even cut in half to begin with. That would be a different infomercial. But I remember like the Ginsu knife, like I have to have this. And then, of course, you would get it home and it would be just like every other knife you had. And you would think to yourself like, wow, they really oversold this. They did a great job selling it, but it wasn't how it looked on TV. Or what about this one? I bought uh, something called an ab circle once. Let me tell you, that circle was not as popular as the Ginsu knife, but this is what it was. It was like a a spinning disc that you would put your knees on and you would just twist your body. And I bought this because I was like, I'm I want to be in shape. This is gonna be a great thing to have. And I got the ab circle. I did it for about 30 seconds one time, and that was it. Not because it was hard, but because even after just 30 seconds of using this, I realized there is zero percent chance that this is going to have any benefit to me in life. Like, I'm literally going to waste every second being on this because, again, they oversold it. On TV, it looks so amazing. They they sold that product, and I said, I got to get that. But when I got it, I realized that it just was exaggerated. Or what about, what about this one? This one really struck me. I was 14 years old. I saw an infomercial, and the guy's name was Don LaPree, and he was selling this product called How to Make Money. Here's what I knew as a 14-year-old. 
I don't know how to make money and I don't have money. So this spoke directly to my heart. And I had a father that even when he knew, like he wouldn't do anything for me, but he supported me and he knew like, hey, my my son has ambitions uh, in business and I will get this for him. So my dad bought it. It was like $39.99. And here's what Don LaPree sold on TV. He would say, all you have to do, and he was always so excited. Here's one thing that stuck with me that he actually did teach me. He told me, if you're excited when you're talking, then the people listening will be excited. Or vice versa, if you're not excited, and how many times have we gone into a church service, for example, and you have a guy up there preaching that looks like he's about to fall asleep. He's so monotone, and you look into the crowd there, and, and they're mirroring him. They're about to fall asleep as well. So if you ever went to one of my church services, this is a Don LaPree type of deal. I would always uh, talk energy-wise. So I was always trying to be excited and, and upbeat with it because this really got ingrained in me. So he did teach me something. But what he would teach on his infomercial, he's like, all you got to do is place one little tiny ad in a newspaper, this is when you used to advertise in newspapers, and if it just makes $10, then you're going to become rich. And here's why. He would say, now you take that same ad and you place it in a thousand other newspapers and you're making $10,000 a week. That's exactly how he would say it. And I, I knew math and he was right. 10 times a thousand is 10,000. And quick math told me that was about $500,000 a year. I didn't even make $10 a week. This would be amazing. So I bought the product. I read through it. And then reading through it, I realized that you actually had to have something to sell in order to make that $10 a week before you could even go into a thousand different newspapers. And I realized he left that part out of the infomercial. I had nothing to sell. That was a big part of it. And the reality was I looked at it again and said, boy, they really, really oversold that. The reality was all sounded so good, so honest, but when you would get them home, you'd realize that they were lies. Now, Jesus said, I have come so that you'll know the truth and the truth will set you free. The reality is, is that Jesus is the truth, but on the flip side of that, the devil is a liar. He's a trickster. His goal is to deceive you, to knock you off God's course, to distract you just enough from God's plan. To get you to doubt just enough to question God so that you stay stuck in the same spot that you've always been in. That's why it's critical to know the truth today. In fact, if you don't know the truth today, you're susceptible to falling for the lies of the devil. And the hard part is that the truth is getting a bit harder and harder to figure out. And here's why. You can test me on this. If you watch the news today, you can watch a news report about the very same incident and walk away with two completely different ideas of what took place, depending on what news station you're watching. All the news is going to be skewed one direction or another. And you could watch that. And how do you know what really took place? Because you say, well, I watched this one channel and, and they seemed, and usually, again, it has something to do with a political uh, situation, but it'll be like, well, I saw this one channel and they said this about that situation, but this other channel said the complete opposite. And now you're stuck in the middle trying to figure it out. And more often than not, you're going to lean towards the side of your political views to agree whether this was a good thing or a bad thing. It's hard to figure out the truth because of the news. It's hard to figure out the truth today because of the internet. I don't know how many times this has happened to you, but this has happened to me a lot. I go on the internet to find out the celebrity that I love has died. I remember like going on and I saw like Dwayne The Rock Johnson died. And I was like, he died? 
He was so young. How did he was in shape? Obviously, like how did he die? And I start to to research it because it never explains exactly how he died. And within like a minute, you find out. Oh no, he's alive. It was all a hoax. Why did why did that person even put that out there that he died? Like, what is the benefit of that? It's hard to figure out the truth today because people put out things that aren't true to begin with. It's hard to figure out the truth today because we exaggerate the truth. I was on Facebook a while back. I remember seeing a guy who I was connected to post a picture of a salad. And on that picture, he put, this is the greatest thing I've ever eaten in my life. And I thought to myself, really? The greatest thing? You're at Applebee's. Now, don't get me wrong. Okay, don't get me wrong. I love Applebee's. It's amazing what they can do with a few pieces of lettuce and salad dressing. It's unreal. Unreal. But the greatest thing you've ever eaten is that? Like, have you ever gone to Sizzler? Have you ever had the cheese toast at Sizzler? Like, that is clearly the greatest thing. In fact, if Sizzler only sold cheese toast, they would be 10 times more profitable than they are right now. That's the greatest thing. But we exaggerate the truth. So the truth is harder and harder to figure out. But you have to know the truth, again, because if you don't, you're susceptible to falling for the lies of the devil. In fact, in John 8, 44, it says in speaking about the devil, when he lies, he speaks his native language, for he's a liar and the father of lies. If you are not grounded in God's truth, which is the Bible, that even when you know something isn't true, it's so easy to far, start falling into the deception of perception. Let me tell you a story. So when I was a, a young kid, me and my friends were at Disneyland, and uh, this was the 90s when parents didn't care if their kids just went off by themselves and wandered around. Like, you would never do that today. But in the 90s, your parents would just say, hey, we're at Disneyland. Go do whatever you want. Show up eventually, and we'll all be a family again. So me and my friends, we were wandering around Disneyland. It was late at night, uh, dark out. We are around uh, the Haunted Mansion in, in the New Orleans part of Disneyland. I only give you that fact to let you know this really did happen. We're walking around a corner, and out of a bush, a guy jumps out right in front of us, like, to scare us, which he did, by the way. And he goes, hey, do you kids want to see a magic trick? Now, let me stop right now. I don't even know if this guy works for Disneyland. I don't know if he's an employee. He was. He didn't have a badge on. He didn't have anything to show me that he was an employee of Disneyland. But when you're a young kid, and a guy asks if you want to see a magic trick, you don't even think twice about it. You're like, absolutely Take, show me some magic. Let's go. So he brings us into this building at Disneyland. It's a small uh, building. We go to the second floor. We go into this small, dimly lit room. No windows. There's a little table uh, in the middle, and he stands on one side. We stand on the other, and he pulls out a deck of cards, and he tells us to take a card, sign our name on it, and put it back in the deck. So we do that, and he starts flipping through all the cards, and he holds out a card, and he says, is this your card? Now, here was the problem. We're young kids, and this is an adult, and that wasn't our card. And we didn't know what to say because we didn't want to, like, we're young, like, we're supposed to, like, respect our, our elders, and we're looking at him, and he's the magician. We're not, and it's like, no, that's actually not our card. He looks confused. He looks at the card. He goes, really? Wow, that's weird. He puts it back in the deck, shuffles it up again. He holds out another card. Is this your card? And once again, it's not our card. And we're thinking like, no, that's that's not it either. He goes, oh, this has never happened to me. Let me try one more time. Puts it back in the deck, shuffles it up. And again, he holds out a card. He goes, is this your card? 
And once again, for a third time in, the, in a row, it is not our card. At this point, I'm realizing this guy is just practicing. Like, he's not even a real magician. We are wasting our time. We should be on the Matterhorn right now. What are we doing in here? And he tells us at that point, he goes, okay, we'll turn around. And as we turn around, there's a box on the floor that we never noticed before. This box is covered in clear tape. When I say it was covered in clear tape, every inch of this box was covered in clear tape. It was 95% tape, 5% cardboard. Like that's how this box was. And he says, pick up this box and put it in the middle of the table. So we do that. Then this guy pulls out a knife. And it wasn't just a normal knife. This was that old 1980s Rambo knife that has a compass on the end, like that no human being would ever need. Like I had one of those. It was plastic. It wasn't real because my parents cared about me. And I remember looking at the compass and was like, okay, that direction's north. Really, that means nothing to me because this is not like the 1600s, but okay, great. That direction is north. He had one of those knives. And let me stop right now as well and say that this story is not going well because no one even knows we're in this room. We don't know if this guy works for Disneyland and he has a knife and we're four little kids in a dimly lit room with no windows. It sounds like we are all about to die. But he doesn't use the knife on us. We were lucky. He was in a good mood. He took the knife and instead he cuts open the box. And what do you think's inside that box? As you're listening to this, you think our card's going to be inside that box. But guess what? It's not. You know what's in that box? A basketball. And I'm thinking as a young person, I'm like, that's not even the same object. Like, are we going to another trick? Is this number two now on the, like, can we just leave? He gets that basketball out. He takes the knife and he jams it into the basketball and he cuts the basketball in half. And inside that basketball is our card with our name on it. I kid you not, this is the greatest magic trick I've ever seen in person. And here's the reality of the situation. We know that that card did not go through the cardboard on that box. We know that that card did not go through the the rubber in that basketball. We know it was a sleight of hand trick, but still when you're in a small, dimly lit room inside of a fake building at Disneyland, you start to think to yourself, well man, maybe, maybe that was real. And before you know it, you're falling for an inauthentic truth. The devil is the father of lies. His purpose is always one of three things, to kill, to steal, and to destroy. His hope is like this magician to get you to believe the lie, to knock you off course, to steal your joy. That's not what the magician was trying to do. But again, he was trying to deceive us. But the devil's job, he's trying to steal your joy. He's trying to steal your peace. He's trying to destroy your marriage, kill your dream. The reality is the devil is a taker while God is a giver. And we know that, that God is not of this world, but, but the devil and evil runs rampant in our world. And because of that, although God is a giver and the devil's a taker, the world has flipped it. They look at God as the taker and the devil is the giver. Like God is there to take away their good times. And that's why you'll run into people that are like, yeah, I'll go to church. I'm just not ready yet. And what they're saying is I'm just not ready to walk away from the party lifestyle and all the things that I'm doing, all the vices that I have, because again, they're looking at God as like he's going to take something from them while the devil's like the party guy, the fun guy. Well, I don't, I don't want to miss out on my fun yet, so, so I'll go to church, but not, not quite yet. I'm just not ready for that. 
And I would say the equivalent of that is like someone that says, well, I'm not ready to join a gym. I need to lose 30 pounds first and then I'll go join a gym. And it's like, no, 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 you have it backwards. Like that's why you join the gym is to lose those 30 pounds. You don't have to lose it and then go. But people have skewed this and and the truth has become so obscured to them that they flipped it completely upside down where they see God as the taker instead of the giver. And the reality is, is that, that God does take some stuff from you. He takes the bad stuff from you. When you give your heart to God, when you give your life to God, yeah, you're going to miss out on some stuff, but it's going to be the bad stuff. And that's not to say that, that everything great happens in your life once you give your heart to God. Like still bad stuff happens, but what he's telling you in the Bible with the word of truth is to avoid all these pitfalls in life that can steal your peace, your joy, your love, your eternity. And that's what God's purpose is. And that's why he said, I've come so that you'll know the truth and the truth will set you free. It's hard to figure out the truth. Even when you're close to God, you can still stumble and get messed up and and distracted and deceived. And we see that even from the first moment of humanity in the Bible with Adam and Eve. You know the story of Adam and Eve, but you know the story where God tells them, hey, you can eat from any of these trees in the garden. They're all yours. Just don't eat from this tree in the middle. Just don't eat from that one. You can have everything else. And the serpent comes up to Eve and starts to question what God said. And I'll tell you, it happens in your life as well. God speaks to you and then the devil starts to say, did God really say that? Maybe you were just being emotional. Maybe you just were having a moment like, hey, Noah, did God really say to build that boat? I mean, it's not raining, buddy. Look around. You're in the middle of the desert. Did he really say to do that? Hey, Moses, did God really say you're the one that's going to deliver the Israelites out of Egypt? I mean, you're 80. Hello. How are you going to do this? Like, are you going to take on the whole uh, Egyptian army by yourself? Like, did he really say that? So, so the devil starts to ask questions to get us off course. And he starts to do that to Eve where he's like, hey, did God really say you can't eat from any of the trees in the garden? Now, again, that's not what God said. And she corrects the serpent and she says, oh, no, no, no. God said we can eat from all the trees. We just can't eat from the one in the middle or even touch it or we'll die. And here's where you see that Eve's already getting distracted and and starting to go off course because God never said anything about touching it. He just said she can't eat from it. And here's what the devil does. He brings just enough logic into the situation to get you like I was in that middle of the room at Disneyland to say, well, you know what? That does make sense. Maybe that was right. And he says to Eve, he goes, God's not going to kill you. Man, number one, God loves you. He just created you and he's all knowing. So he already knew what you were going to do. Like he's not going to kill you. You're not going to die. And then he brings enough logic to say, here's why. He says, you know what? Here's, here's why God doesn't want you to do it because he knows as soon as you eat from this tree, then your eyes are going to be open and you're going to be just like him. And he wants to hold you back. He doesn't want you to be powerful. He wants to rule over you. He doesn't want your eyes to be open and be that woke culture. He doesn't want you to see that. So, you know, that's why he's telling you don't, don't eat from this, you know, but in reality, you can eat from it and you're going to be better off by doing it. And Eve starts to hear that. And she goes, you know what? That does make more sense. Why would God kill us? Why would he make us? just to kill us when he's all-knowing and he loves us. You you know what? You're right. And after all, it's just one bite. And she takes that one bite. And right there, that's the fall of humanity. Right there is when sin for the first time enters into our world and sin can't enter into heaven. So from that moment until now, God has been sending his rescue plan to save us from hell. That's the moment that it was like, all right, I got to come up with a rescue plan because this, this sin has just entered into the world. 
That's all that it took. And that's why we have to understand that that perception is a lot. There's a lot of deception in perception. The perception is not always reality. If we look at the situation when David faced Goliath, the perception was that he's going to die. But the reality was that he could do all things through Christ who strengthened him. The perception when Israel uh, was was trapped in Egypt, they were slaves in Egypt, they're going to need an army to deliver them. The reality is, no, they need an 80-year-old man with a staff and faith. The perception was when Israel was trapped with the Red Sea in front of them that they're going to be captured, they're going to die. The reality was that God can part the Red Sea. The perception was when they were in the desert that they're going to die of thirst. The truth was that God could make water come from a rock. The perception was when Daniel's friends were trapped in the fire, they're going to burn to death. The reality was the only thing that fire burned were the ropes that held them captive. The perception might be in your situation today that you're an alcoholic, you're a drug addict, you're an adulterer, you're a divorcee, like that you've messed up so much. But the reality is that God is crafting your great redemption story. The perception might be that your best days are behind you because you're too old. You're, you can't do the things you used to do when you were younger. Those, that's when it was possible. Now it's impossible. But the reality is God says the best is yet to come. I'm here to encourage you today to ground yourself in the truth of God's word. Ground yourself in that truth. Because when you ground yourself in that truth, you don't fall for the lies and the deception that the devil is always trying to bring into our lives. I can tell you, and I'll, I'll summarize this. For many of us, we've messed up so much. You messed up a hundred times the same area and you pray and you say, God, I don't know what's wrong with me. Why do I keep doing this? And you feel like there's no way that God could ever forgive you. In fact, you say, there's no way God could even use me. I have this dream to do this, whatever that is, this call in my life that, that I feel like God wanted me to do because I messed up so many times, because I squandered what he gave me, there's no way that God is going to give me another chance. And the reality is that is all lie from the devil. How do I know that? Because of the most quoted verse in the entire Bible, John 3.16. John 3.16 is a verse that even people that don't go to church know. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. Can I tell you that I heard that verse so many times that I became numb to it and I didn't even fully understand it. And I want to explain it and break it down for you in the, in the last couple minutes that we have here today. When I heard for God so loved the world, here's where I messed up. When I heard the word world, I pictured the world and it made sense to me because I was like, well, God created the world. So he's talking about in this verse, like trees, birds, bees, dirt, like everything in the world. So God so loved that that he gave his only son. But the reality is this, that, that Jesus did not come and die for trees or dirt or birds or bees. Like he didn't die for that. He died for you and for me. So that verse more accurately would say, for God so loved you and he so loved me that he gave his only son. That Jesus so loved you and he so loved me that he willingly laid down his life for you and for me. And for what was it for? For a chance. It wasn't even a guarantee. It was just a chance that one day you would give your heart and your life over to him so he could spend every single day in eternity for you. And it wasn't because in that moment of time that things were perfect and we deserved what God was giving us. No, the reality was that he came to pay a debt that he didn't owe because we owed a debt that we couldn't pay. And that's when Jesus came down to earth. So when you're sitting there in your darkest time and you're saying, there's no way God could ever love me. There's no way God could ever forgive me. Be grounded in the foundational truth of John 3:16, that God loves you so much, that Jesus loves you so much that he gave up everything just for a chance to spend eternity in heaven for you.
God is love and through the truth, it will set you free. Thank you for joining us for We Love San Diego with Ryan McFadden. We pray that this message has blessed your life. If you'd like to learn more about We Love San Diego or to partner with us, visit welovesandiego.org, spelled W-E-L-U-V-SanDiego.org. That's W-E-L-U-V-SanDiego.org. For additional messages, find us on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts at We Love San Diego. Also, if you live in the San Diego area, you can find out where and when the next outreach event is by following We Love San Diego on Facebook and Instagram. We so value you listening to our show today and hope you tune in next Sunday at 9 a.m. as we bring another message of hope to you and your family. And as Brian always says, find a need and fill it. Find a hurt and heal it. This has been We Love San Diego. There's jewelry, and then there's jewelry by Isabella Rose Design Company. Isabella Rose Design Company makes handmade jewelry for a cause. All their sales go towards fighting human trafficking. Using polymer clay and precious metals, their modern jewelry designs have helped them become one of the fastest growing jewelry companies in the world. Feel good and look good knowing that you're making a difference in the area of human trafficking. Visit them today at IsabellaRoseDesign.co. That's IsabellaRoseDesign.co. When the COVID-19 pandemic struck, We Love San Diego sprung into action, giving out over 30,000 pounds of food and supplies, as well as over 50,000 diapers to those in need. Today, the outreach continues as they give out over 60,000 pounds of food and supplies to over 10,000 families who otherwise wouldn't know where their next meal was coming from. Visit welovesandiego.org to help out and become the hands and feet of Jesus. That's welovesandiego.org.